and welcome back to the Animation Broadcast and Cinema Show. My name is Bo Allen. I'm Jacob Rodier. And today we have a lot of stuff to talk about, and a lot of it is not very happy stuff. So let's dive right in. On a good note, Shang-Chi is still dominating the box office. I believe it did around 13 million this weekend, which is good. It's fighting off some new releases. Um, and, you know, I don't want Marvel to come out and monopolize movies, but I like that a movie has a long standing. It's been four, spent four weeks at uh, number one. Uh, yeah. Which, that's a great sign. It's awesome for theaters. Um, it's made $196 million. Uh, Theaters, that's another important thing. Theaters are getting money. Um, and, I mean, uh, Free Guy made $4 million this weekend. Candyman made $2 million this weekend. Cry Macho made $2 million this weekend. We have uh, nine movies in the millions this week. I mean, so theaters are getting money, which is what uh, we need to see, what we like to see. Yeah, and that pushes more studios to do only theater releases. Right, um, which I think is something that we will see, uh, I think, for sure in 2022. I think this format's going to change a little bit. Um, but the, the main movie, the biggest release of the weekend that <laughs> Shang-Chi had to fight off was a movie that I am very angry about, Dear Evan Hansen. Wait, how much did it make up box office? Oh, it was number two this weekend at 7,443,000. So, I mean, not great, but I guess good. Um, I have a lot to say about this movie. I'm going to start off by reading a review from Roger Ebert's website uh, written by Robert Daniels. Uh, I think it subs it up pretty well. Stephen Chbosky's cinematic adaption of Dear Evan Hansen, whereby a 27-year-old Ben Platt reprises his role as the teenage titular character is a total misfire. It's an emotionally manipulative, overlong dirge composed of cloying songs, lackluster vocal performances, and even worse writing. Um, I was just filling in Jacob on the plot here, the kind of disgusting, super manipulative, terrible plot. Um, quick rundown for if you don't know, uh, which I feel like a lot of people don't unless they're heavy into the Broadway circles. Um, it's about this kid named Evan Hansen who does not really have a lot going on for him. He's got a lot of social anxiety and he's an introvert uh, and he's in high school, even though he's being played by a 27 year old who looks 35. And um, he is told to like do these self-affirmation letters uh, to himself, like dear Evan Hansen, like you can do this, be strong, be, you know, be confident, stuff like that. That's uh, not a completely abnormal thing. That's not what I have the problem with. The problem is, this one guy who goes to a school, I believe the character's name is Connor, um, finds one of these letters and takes it back to his house and he reads it and not because of the letter, this kid is depressed like on his own. Um, he kills himself and then the parents find the letter and make a connection that, oh, these two were like good friends. Evan Hansen and our son who recently killed himself. And so they think there's some connection between the two and maybe they can talk to Evan and find out a way to like, like cope with their son's loss and maybe why he did it. And Evan fully leans into it and decides, you know, I'm going to, he makes a fake email chain and pretends like he was best friends with the guy, even starts going out with his sister who he always had a crush on. And it is 
terrible and i think it is a terrible use of like suicide as plot development by hollywood which we have seen a lot recently because i don't think they totally understand like teenage mental health stuff but they want to try to connect to it are you supposed to like evan hansen as a character you are supposed to like evan hansen but he's doing completely unlikable things What? it is disgusting is this the plot of the play too the broadway play i believe it has been changed a little bit I feel like it has to be because I don't think it would be as popular if it was the exact same story. I know. it. So Dear Evan Hansen, the musical on stage won six Tony Awards, super popular. Um, And I think it is similar, but not as scummy. Um, Well, yeah, I mean, obviously this director just did a poor job of adapting it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they rewrote it. Um, I read that Evan, um, Ben Platt, uh, that they de-aged his face or they tried to for the movie. And I feel like from what I saw from like the trailers and this footage, whatever, he still looks super old with the de-aged face. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. So the way I think that it works in the play is that like Connor, like kind of bullied Evan, I believe. Evan runs into Connor, who believes, like, or wait, at school, this is so confusing. Uh, Evan runs into Connor, who believes Evan is making fun of him, resulting in Connor pushing Evan to the ground. Connor's sister, Zoe, whom Evan has a crush on, feels obligated to apologize for her brother's behavior. So then Evan writes a letter to himself, wondering whether anyone would notice if he were not there. So that makes more sense, because they're sympathizing more with the character. And it says, dear Evan Hansen, pretty much, would anyone notice if I wasn't here? And mm. so he encounters Connor again and Connor offers to sign Evan's cast as like a good faith thing, you know, like he's not, they both went through a rush, like a misunderstanding. Connor then finds Evan's letter on the printer and reads it, becomes furious at the mention of Zoe because, and thought Evan intended for him to see the letter in order to make fun of him again. He storms out, took the letter with him. Um, and Evan's like freaking out uh, and tells his friend Jared about the online assignment. And then Evan gets called to the principal's office and is told by Connor's parents that Connor died by suicide days before with Evan's letter found in his pocket. And um, they see this is the a name musical, the, right? Yes. And they see the name on the cast and stuff. And they think, oh my God, wait, this is, they're still doing the emails. This reminds me of um, Logic's, Logic's suicide song. Oh, that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> this is whole play. So I think it's similar, but it's not as distastefully done. And I think it's, 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 I, I think the main differences in this one, Evan like profits off of it pretty much. Mm. Like, and isn't remorseful about it. Like just reading that quick description the whole time, Evan's like, why am I doing this? I shouldn't be doing this. I need to come clean. But like the parents are grieving so hard. I think it's also, he wants to like make them feel better and it's a little more sympathetic and, but this one, I mean, he's like apparently he becomes like a mental health like guru and has a following online. What are we doing? What is this? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the seven million it did make are all just people who are fans of the Broadway show. A hundred percent. And I don't I would not be shocked to see this completely fall off. And I hope it does. The only reason I think this would remain a prominent, you know, box office movie especially with everything coming out this next week, which um, we're going to get to later, 
is if it's gotten such poor word of mouth, people are like, I have to go see this total train wreck for myself. Right. Cause yeah, actually I've seen so many bad reviews and people bashing this movie on social media that I kind of do want to see it. Not in theaters, but I do too. I'm going to um, find a, a cheaper way to watch it. That doesn't give the people who made it any money because I don't really support what this movie is saying. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, but I yeah. am curious. I'm curious how bad this movie actually is. I am too. Is. I want to see how bad they fumbled this. Um, apparently, actually, Ben Platt is a good singer and like he knows the songs pretty well. I'm sure he's done this. I mean, he was the star of the Broadway show, so I'm sure he was. And the Broadway show was in 2015 and he's been doing, I mean, this is, has been his character for years. But apparently, another thing that I've heard from uh, Sean Fennessy, uh, who's a great movie reviewer uh, personality, is that Ben Platt is just terrible in this movie. He has done, you know, TV shows and movies before, but he started as a stage actor and apparently just, it seems like he was directed into getting a stage performance, which, you know, is not as anywhere near as subtle as a movie. Mm-hmm. In a movie, you can, everyone can see the actor's face. You Two can, completely can, different mediums. Right. So he is doing the anxious hands thing and being very visibly awkward all the time like slouched over and stuff when he needs to you know take on the subtleties of an actor yeah it's 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 two completely different things it's a total bizarre misstep from everybody and speaking of everybody julianne moore is in this movie who i like yeah it's i am disappointed by that i'm sure they're probably all great all the side characters i bet it's just ben platt that ruins the movie no but the, my problem with it is that why they why are they in this movie? like no apparently the side characters aren't really great either but also mm. like just the idea of the movie seems like a total misstep and amy adams is in it and amy you, well, do you, you think this you think this movie was made because of the result of all these other Broadway shows being converted well, into movies? Hang on. We'll, we'll get there in the next two, literal two minutes. I want to say something about Amy Adams. She's been misstepping lately, and I don't appreciate it. I love, what else has she been in? What's her recent roster? Her last three. I'm not counting Zack Snyder's Justice League because that's just a recut. Yep. So she went Vice as Lynn Cheney. Totally respect that. Yeah. That was 2018. Then 2020, we get Hillbilly Elegy. I want to hunt that movie into the sun. Yeah, you saw that, right? I turned it off. I did. I don't do that often. That was, I thought for sure that was Glenn Close going for an Oscar she did not deserve. And I'm glad she did not win it. Yeah, that looked like pure Oscar bait. Minari superiority forever. Then she did The Woman in the Window. Holy bad movie. Oh, yeah bad go watch rear window if you want to watch that movie it's better it's the same and better and then i mean it happens and then she did dear evan hansen it happens man i mean i don't know but when you're that big of a star you probably get so many scripts that come across your desk right so choose the good ones yeah but i don't know i bet they look totally like i bet dear evan hansen looked totally different on paper like it's a Broadway show, it's super popular. Uh, it's by a, a good director who made Perks of Being a Wallflower and Wonder. Like he has a good resume. So that, like it yeah. looks, it looks great on paper. I would probably do it if I was offered that. Um, her next movie is actually something I am 
I'm interested to see. I don't know if it needs to happen, but it's the sequel to Enchanted, which I would say kind of made her a star. Um, I kind of liked Enchanted, man. I, I mean, it came, I was, what, nine when it came out, and I had younger sisters, so of course I saw that movie, yeah, and same. I was like, I like it. Yeah, it was There's fun. a dragon. I liked anything with a dragon. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> um, and cool so blend of fantasy and reality. Right, and, you know, um, I, I will watch Disenchanted, I'm sure, because I have a girlfriend who I'm sure grew up on the Enchanted movie. So why wouldn't I? I'm going to have to go see it in theaters. Yeah, no, I don't blame her for that. No, I don't know. I mean, and it's kind of going back to, you know, what got her huge. I would say that really was her jumping off point. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, it wasn't, she wasn't, I mean, she was in some stuff, like she did a little bit part in the office and she was in Talladega Nights a little bit, but I think Enchanted was her first like vehicle uh, for really for herself. And it was funny and it's a nice movie and it's a, you know, run of the mill Disney movie. I'll go see the sequel. Um, She's a fantastic actress. She is great. And I believe in her. She is a superstar actress, uh, a, a movie star as pure as it can get in 2020. Yeah, incredible. Um, so moving on from this Dear Evan Hansen thing, we are it is a hundred percent one of these like okay hamilton was huge how are we gonna make money so hamilton was on stage in 2016 right that's when it came out i believe i think so i am not a fan of that i don't know if i can say that out loud but I'm not i a fan. oh man i am not either i, I just i'm I, not a lin-manuel yep, miranda guy yeah that's what i was gonna say i I'm, i do not like lin-manuel man I think he's kind of got a little bit of a big head. Um, There's just something about him that like ticks me off. I don't know what it is, but like, I also don't like his like talk rap that he does. Uh, it's, 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 I talk it's, like this, so I do this, and then I do this, and then I do uh, that. Uh, uh, like, uh, no thanks. Okay. So 2016 saw Hamilton, which was huge. And this was not because of Hamilton, but La La Land, which was obviously huge too. And so in 2017, I think people were like, all right, let's, see if we could get get some uh some musicals out here and they started with the greatest showman that's not a broadway adaption i think that was an original script but then that made some money so then in 2018 we get a sequel to something that was a broadway play and was a another movie musical and we get mamma mia here we go again most would argue that's not necessary yeah and, Speaking of not necessary, we get Mary Poppins Returns. Right. Right. And then it really starts coming. We get the live action Lion King, which is a musical. We get Rocket Man, the biopic, which was 100% more of a musical than it was a biopic. I loved Rocket Man, by the way. I love it. I love it, too. I'm not like lumping it into this bad, like saying it was bad. Um, I'd like it a lot more. I don't know if I can say this. I like it a lot more than Bohemian Rhapsody which also came out in 2018. I agree. Um, and then we get Aladdin also in 2019. And then we get Cats. Oh my God, I forgot about Cats. And you'd think that would be enough for people to be like, we don't need to do this anymore. But oh, oh, oh no. Are we I blocked wrong? that out of my memory. We get Respect, which I, you know, I'm not, I don't, it's Aretha Franklin. I don't, I don't dislike Aretha Franklin, but I, I don't like biopics. 
So and then we also had um this year they don't, that well, other that's, musical that's, and that's, nice. that's, that's what that's what I'm going. Oh no no no, that's not all we're getting this year. That's not all we're getting this year. We got respect, which has come out in the Heights, which has come out, um, and then still yet to come out. Dear Evan Hansen. Well, What's yeah, out? actually, sorry, that's that's listed wrong on this website. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen and Annette, which I think is not a symptom of this. I think that is like just that like, is an original music. That is totally something. That it's a weird. That's not the same. <laughs> no. Still to come out, we have West Side Story. Oh shit! Yeah. Steven Spielberg. We also have the Andrew Garfield movie Tick Tick Boom still to come out. That's a musical. Yes. Okay. Um, In the Heights, as you mentioned, came out. This is a hundred percent. Let's see how much money we can choke out of these musicals. Well, also, I think we're in the uh, the sequel era too, where we're just pumping out remakes and sequels of everything. Right, but I think and now we're adding musicals on top of that. Well, yeah, which I blame on Hamilton, a hundred, a hundred percent. It's like, cause like yeah. a lot of these vehicle, a lot of these are, have a Hamilton people attached to them. I'm pretty sure. I mean, Lin-Manuel after Hamilton kind of just took over the musical Hollywood industry. I mean, he went, he did in the Heights, right? That's his play that he wrote. Yeah. And now he's doing that musical for Disney, that animated Disney movie. Um, I and will. Canto. I think a lot of this, um, I think it translates poorly to the screen. Um, I think it should stay. Like, there's nothing wrong with letting plays be plays. Yeah, they're two different mediums. Just so like I, Hamilton what? did differently, which I don't mind, is that it kind of just filmed the Broadway show. It didn't, like, remake it into a movie, which I'm okay with. That was good because the Broadway show is what people wanted to see. Right. Like, and a lot of people did, a lot of people saw it, but a lot of people didn't get the chance to see it on Broadway with the original cast. So that makes sense that they put it out that way. And I am thankful for that, that I didn't have to go watch a movie version of that. I will never go watch a movie of that. Um, <laughs> and I don't think it would work as a movie at all. I'm, I'm totally fine if they take like all these popular Broadway musicals that people can't regularly access because tickets are so expensive and just film it and just put it on streaming or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the remakes of like making it into a movie eh, doesn't work well. What The only one I would think about seeing is West Side Story because that's a Steven Spielberg thing. The only reason I'm going to see it is because of Spielberg. Right. I've, I want to see what he does with it. But, like, that's also, like, why is Spielberg touching a Hollywood classic? Like, that is a classic movie. Yeah, that's shocking. Like, why, why is Spielberg even going in that era? But he's also making Indiana, another Indiana Jones. They're going to kill Harrison Ford. We can have that conversation another day. That's another He thing made Ready about. Player One, Ready Player One, which is basically just a bunch of uh, stuff nostalgia. that we've already seen. Yeah, yeah, nostalgia. Like, he's he's on that wave right now. Just, I don't know yeah steven taking other things and remaking it he also like it's just like i'm he's like i am a cinema god i can touch this <laughs> well-known iconic property he is definitely out. cocky he's like if oh god it's gonna be bad if that doesn't if that movie isn't good like it's gonna be i think, it will be. Be, I think, it, I think it'll be all right i don't know if i mean is it gonna be able to touch the original or like yeah, I don't know. I mean, it is Spielberg, so I, I do have faith, but 
I kind of want to see it fail because if Spielberg has a musical that fails, like maybe that'll just be the end of it. God, people I just be so. like, oh, that's it. Enough. Um, but they'll probably make a shit ton of money, so they'll keep making it. It's going to make so much money. Yeah, it comes out on like Christmas, right? Or Christmas yeah, time? Yeah, around there. Yeah. Ready Player One to West Side Story to a autobiography about yourself is a weird, weird call on his part. But, you know, he's Steven Spielberg. So he made Jaws. He made E.T. He made Indiana Jones. He made your entire childhood. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, weird choice. Um, the musical thing is going to make me lose my mind. I want, like, if I want, if I'm going to see a musical that isn't directed by Steven Spielberg. I want like something original, like a La La Land, something that is built with the move with a movie screen in mind, because that is also a classic Hollywood cinema thing. Like that's something that used to happen all the time. And it was always executed really well. Yeah. I mean, me and you both love La La Land. Oh, I think God, that's like so the good. last musical I've actually liked that's come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did like Rocketman, but not the same level as La La Land. No um you're not a big cats guy is that what you're saying dude until you just said it like a few minutes ago it was totally <laughs> blocked out of my mind i just totally just blanked it out i don't want to think about it ever again i might put that on a poll to see if people are gonna <laughs> be mean to us they will <laughs> they made that us watch would, room this week that i know that would uh cats would fit well in our horror movie month uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. it would we have spent too much time on musicals. Uh, we need, yeah. we got a few other things before we even get to the uh, recap for the, for the week. All right, Licorice Pizza. That was a fantastic transition. Licorice Pizza, the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Looks like it's going to be a little coming-of-age flick. Uh, I did not watch the trailer. I sent it to you, and you refused to watch it as well. So neither of us really know what we're talking about because nothing has really been announced. All I know about this movie is it takes place in the 70s and is about like Hollywood. It is in the San Fernando Valley. It is about a high school student who is a successful child actor. That is all it says on IMDb, and that is all I need to know. Um, I know Licorice Pizza is the name of a like record store chain, which is cool. I like that. Yeah, because before this, it was originally, or the rumor, it was going to be called Soggy Bottom. Right, which I think I like this name a little better. I think it appeals to more people, and it it fits more in the era. <laughs> yeah, but the the cast is awesome for this movie. Um, Bradley Cooper, Sean Penn, Skylar Gizondo, Gizondo. How do you pronounce that guy's name? I think it's Gizondo. I think Gizondo. Maya Rudolph, John C. Riley, Emma Dumont, Mary Elizabeth Ellis, Tom Waits, Benny Safdie, Joseph Cross, Alana Haim, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much the most well knowns from there. Stacked. It's great. I'm excited to see how uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son does. Oh, yeah. I forgot. He's like the main character, I'm pretty sure. Yep. That, uh, what's that guy's name? Isn't that uh, Joseph Cross? Is that Joseph Cross? I don't know. It's not my head. He's the one on the poster, I'm pretty sure. I saw the poster. What is that guy's name? He looks just like him. And then the other, the main Cooper Hoffman. I'm an idiot. That guy doesn't have an IMDb page. Yeah, this is his first role. And same oh, with the man. other lead, too, I'm pretty sure. A lot uh, of Haim. Yeah, she's in, like, a lead of a band. And I think the only reason she got this part is because PTA directs, like, their music videos. So they've been, like, close for a while. Here is her mini bio. 
Alana Haim is known for her role on the Fashion Fund, during which she attended the Vogue Fashion Show, founded by the legendary Anna Wintour. The Fashion Fund is a documentary-style TV show featuring behind-the-scenes action from the Council of Fashion Designers of America and the Vogue Competition for Young Designers. But she is a member of the band Haim, which is a really, really good band. Yeah, no, I'm sure she'll do well, especially in PTA Sands. Yeah, that's just what she's known for, like in the film aspect, just that documentary. But um, she's a that they're great singers. It's her. And this her comes out Anna. end of November, right? Mm-mm. December twenty third, twenty twenty one. Oh, for some reason I thought it was November. But I think that also means that it will be going toe to toe with like West Side Story. Yeah, it's probably around there. Honestly, I don't know if PTA is big enough to uh get that many um tickets sold so oh and another problem is oh it's releasing at a bad time 17th of december obviously spider-man no way home i think everybody has that engraved in their brain the 22nd of december is matrix resurrections the king's man and sing two mm. and sing the sing movies are big yeah then the 25th of december is the tragedy of Macbeth and cyrano Okay, so niche movies. Also, Cyrano is a musical. <laughs> Why are we? Cyrano is a great like stage play, and it's not a musical, and I like it. We read. I, I had to read it in high school, and it's one of the plays I actually enjoyed. <laughs> you gonna see it? Yeah, and I'm gonna sit there and be pissed while they're singing songs. <laughs> God, but PTA. I mean, I was thinking so. I was texting you last night. I watched There Will Be Blood uh, right before I watched The Room, which was a terrible call. And then I <laughs> watched Hard Eight after that, um, which was a little bit better. But I had a little PTA last night. And I was looking. Uh, there Will Be Blood is the most he's ever grossed ever in a movie, like a, like a in theater. Yeah, release. I bet it's because of the Oscar run of that. And it did so well at the Oscars, and they probably put it back in theaters for re-release, and that's where it got all its money. Well, that was actually, as of 2016, Phantom Thread maybe did more, because that also had an Oscar boost. Yeah. Um, Not as oh, much as no, it, there no, it blood, didn't. I was totally wrong. There Will Be Blood did 75 mil gross worldwide for um, Phantom Thread was 47. So yeah, I was thinking, like, the promo for Licorice Pizza has been really good, I think. I it's mean, getting, all there's been is a poster and a trailer, right? Right, but it's getting talked about a lot, and everybody's like, oh, man, we don't even know the name. Like, Soggy Bottom might not even be the name. Like, oh, holy shit. And then two months later, we're like, oh, whoa, Licorice Pizza's the name. And then we get a trailer. Like, because we got the name, the real name before the trailer. Mm-hmm. This is, I, I think this could have broken the 100 million mark. I really do, but with Matrix and you know Macbeth and spider-man coming out around it i don't know if people will go see this i will yeah i don't know i think pta has his little niche crowd that will definitely go and see it um but we'll see who knows maybe they'll do a lot more marketing that they haven't released yet because it comes Um, out in four months and i feel like this is pretty late to start your marketing run so yeah um but I'm fine with that too. Like I don't need a big, you can just tell me it's a PTA movie and I will be there. No, they're probably saving their money for during the big boys that are about to come out. Right. Speaking of about to come out, like that segue, we have, uh, we're going to go through the October release and just hit 
the highlights, the October release schedule, because this is a really good month. We did, I think, two each last week, but that doesn't even really like touch the amount that's coming out. Um, so I'll just start off with what's coming out this week and you can, we'll, we'll flip week by week. Um, the big stuff from this week are the Mini Saints of Newark, Titan, and Adam's Family 2. A lot of people like the animated Adam's Let's Family movies. Let's go. And then <laughs> the big one, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. That might just be the big one for me. I have bought my ticket. I'm going tomorrow. I am not, I'm seeing it the premiere night. I'm not even Bo waiting for front October row. First. It's going to be no, there two hours before. Not front row. That's not where the best seats are. The seats, best seats are right in the middle because it's where the sound is all equal. They're perfect distance from the screen. screen yeah. And guess what? Those are the seats I got. <laughs> They're going to be there two hours before just being like, oh, can I go in now? I, can I go I sit? Bought, I bought my ticket. So there's I, another movie playing. Oh, it doesn't I, matter. Can I just go sit? I bought tickets for me and my if they're going to be like it's the end of the first Venom showing. <laughs> um, I want to see the credits. I bought my ticket uh, for me and my friend. Like, oh, we, we won't be able to get it when we get there. Like, there's going to be a lot of people we need to get seats. Nobody has bought tickets for this movie yet. <laughs> I checked uh, my showing for tomorrow uh, for like prime time, and it's actually pretty good. It's like three, it's probably half sold out right now. Maybe a little oh, more. Oh, really? Yeah. That's great. Um, I, I think your area is doing like better movie wise than mine is. Yeah, it's been pretty crowded recently, which is good. Um, I'll check. I can check mine right now and see if if it has gotten any better. Um, um, I'll leave you to that. I'm excited for uh, Titan. Is that how you say it? I don't know. I thought it was it. Titan. It might be Titan. Um, oh, my way, God. I'm still the only t- <laughs> Dude, That's hype. You have the whole theater to yourself. I know, but I kind of want to see it. In- oh, wait, no. There's six other people. Okay. Actually, yeah, superhero movies I like with like a full crowd. I need a crowd. Yeah. Uh, um, Titan is going to be good. Titan, I don't know. It looks yeah, awesome. Yeah, it won cans. I am super pumped about it. It looks super fucked up and weird. Um, and I loved her first movie, Raw, which was also yeah. super fucked up and weird. Um, so I'm excited to see what she does with this one. I love a good can winner. Oh, yeah. Um, I hope it does well. We'll see. Um, and then, of course, Many Saints of Newark, Sopranos. Sopranos has hit, I think, a big, like, kind of rebound with, I think, our uh, our generation a little bit. I've seen a lot of people our age and younger watching this movie. I've never seen the show, unfortunately, so uh, I'm probably not going to check this movie out. Oh, you got to get on it. it. I know. it's I Obviously, it has amazing reviews and all that, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, I've heard uh, that you don't have to have seen the show to like it but i mean i would just recommend watching the show to watch the show dude it's great no yeah it's definitely on my list all right it's, you just, take, it's, it's a lot okay. you want to take oh it's it's six seasons 13 episodes each about yeah. that and hour each it's a big investment yeah um you want to take next the next so i actually releases. don't have the schedule up so you want to say them and i'll comment on them all all right uh two big ones on october 8th no time to die and lamb no time to die reviews just came out pretty good uh, reviews it's it's really 50 50 the metacritic score is 75 i've seen people on letterbox like worst bond i saw somebody say bond goes out with a whimper and i see other mm. people like this is my shit i fucking love it bond is back <laughs> and i'm like 
I, I'm going to love it, I think, no matter what, because I love Daniel Craig. I heard for the most passion. part that it was a, a good send off for Daniel Craig. So I'm excited. Perfect. I mean, that's all I need. Um, and then Lamb, what the hell is this going to be? I am so excited for Lamb, as we've talked about. It's, it's going to be so weird. Is it like a horror? It's a drama, horror, and mystery. What the hell? All right. A24, baby. And then 15th of October, we're getting Halloween Kills and The Last Duel. Yeah, The Last Duel, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm super iffy on that. I don't know if it's going to be good. Well, if uh, you don't know if that's going to be good, don't worry, because we have, we have some more Scott, Ridley Scott coming up this year. Um, I'm interested in The Last Duel. The, medic, the IMDb rating is 7.5 out of 10, and the meta score is 61. And, you know, I don't like Oh, Facebook. reviews are out? Yeah, I think some are. I think it's screened to the festival somewhere. Mm. But I mean, Matt Damon, uh, Jodie Comer, Ben Affleck, Adam Driver—you know, pretty good, pretty reliable to get a good performance out of those guys. No stacked cast. It's just I don't know something when I saw like the um, a little bit of the trailer because always plays in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, their beards, something about their beards, like, and also I feel like not just like the characters are playing, but anytime I see Ben Affleck or Matt Damon, Adam Driver, not as much, but mostly just them too. I immediately think, oh, that's Matt Damon. That's Ben Affleck. I don't think about like their character or like the role they're playing. I just think, oh, that's Matt Damon. You know, that's, that's my problem with Will Smith. Yeah. Yeah. It's another one. Yeah. I feel like when, I, when I'm watching this movie, I'm just gonna be like, oh, okay. Matt Damon does this. Ben Affleck is that. I'm not going to like care about the characters, but who knows? Mm. Maybe not. I don't, I don't, really Scott. Happen. So that doesn't happen with me as much for them. Um, we have a little break after the 15th for, uh, I mean, there's two movies that come out extinct and last man down, but I don't think those are going to make a whole lot of noise. Um, and then 22nd of October is going to be another coin flip. I mean, a lot of, all of these dates are like two or three good movies coming out on the same day, which is brutal for my wallet. Um, we have Dune and the French dispatch. Yeah. Two exciting movies. Now, if I talked about Dune enough, if I was smart with my money, I'd say, Bo, you can watch Dune at home. But guess what? I'm going to watch that shit in IMAX, the more expensive ticket. Oh, yeah. And I'm getting the medium popcorn, some candy, and a Coke. And guess what? You won't regret it. Oh, no. And then the next day, I'm showing up and I'm watching the French Dispatch. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Oh, I love Wes it. Anderson guy. Wes Anderson, love him. Bill Murray, love him. Timothy Chalamet, love him. Willem Dafoe, love him. Christoph Waltz, Elizabeth Moss, God, Adrian Brody, Saoirse Ronan. We are stacked out. Francis McDermott, Tilda Swinton, Owen Wilson, Edward Norton, Benicio del Toro, Jeffrey Wright, Lee Schreiber. Yeah. Should I go I mean, on? Stacked as always. <laughs> We're killing it. Wes gets the big boys. God, give me my Wes Anderson. 29th of October, last night in Soho, rounding out the month. I yep. love it. That's that is the only, month. that and Halloween Kills are the only like horror movies. Last night in Soho is considered a horror, at least on IMDb. Yeah. Um, um, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I am. Another one I haven't seen much about. Another one I am very, very excited for. It's going to be a great month. It is. I mean, and it's the real kickoff because November is looking great too. 
um with you know I mean, the rest of the year the rest of the year is just going to be movie on movie on movie uh this is not something i wrote in our little outline but um hell we've i mean we've done a ton on this already i'm going to throw out one more thing uh new ghostbusters are you in or are you out on it uh the only reason i'm kind of interested is because paul red's in it and i love paul red me too um but otherwise i mean it's just gonna be like all the rest of the remakes that have come out well uh, paul red is obviously a reason that i'm in on this i although he's lit he is really really far down on the imdb listing but he's not gonna focus on the kids finn wolfhard i love him i, I like it and stranger yeah. things a lot um and then mckenna grace is pretty good in what she's been in yeah i mean uh, i'm just like mckenna, mckenna grace the young madison and malignant <laughs> right that's that's our lane man that's our quarter yeah um no, and then we'll see. we also have sigourney weaver bill murray dan Aykroyd, and ernie hudson all returning yeah, I mean, I bet it's just going to be like, a, especially Bill Murray's probably going to be like a one-minute cameo. It's like, hey, I'm here. Peace. Right, but the way I'm thinking about it is, like, they weren't even touching that last one. Um, what last one? Are you doing a bit? No. Are you kidding? What? The all-female one that Oh, people... my God. <laughs> Another one I blocked out of my memory. I, I thought you were doing a bit. <laughs> So, no, I totally forgot about that. That oh movie God. got so much hate because people were like, ah, girls, Ghostbusters shouldn't be Ghostbusters and all this shit. And then it turned out to actually be really bad. Yeah, that was around the same time uh, Ocean's 8 came out, I think. Too. Yeah, uh, I think Ocean's 8 was a few years later, but that one did not work out very well either. I did not like that one. Um, no, no, not not great. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited for it. I'm interested. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what else is playing. If I'm bored, or maybe I'll go check it out. <laughs> Probably gonna go see it uh, just to, <laughs> just because I like the theme song. Um, all right, and then we'll make this one real short. Recommend a movie that we have watched this week. Um, you've watched some weird shit this week. Yeah, I was on a uh, I was on a Terrence Malick run this week for some reason. I don't know what got me into it, but I just decided to like go through his whole discography. Because before this week, I've only seen um, filmography, tree, the Tree of Life, and um, oh yeah, filmography. What did I say? Discography. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I listen to all the soundtracks, all these albums. Actually, <laughs> um, no. I, I before this, I saw a Tree of Life and a Hidden Life, and those are the only ones I've seen. And I'm a Tree of Life is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I can't believe I haven't seen his other movies, but. I checked out Badlands, which was his debut, uh, Thin Red Line, which is the World War II movie, Days of Heaven, uh, which is crazy, has some of the best cinematography, uh, and Song to Song. Those are the four I checked out. Uh, out of those, I like Days of Heaven for the cinematography the best because it's just unreal. But overall, I think I like Song to Song the best, honestly. And that's probably the one I'm going to recommend because... One, because it has the worst ratings out of all of them, I think. Like, all the rest are, are people are just like, they love it. Like, it's considered like a great movie. But this one has like very iffy reviews. Like, some people hate it. Some people are just like, whatever on it. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was great. So there's uh, Ryan Gosling, Michael Fassbender, uh, Natalie Portman, 
um, Rooney Mara. It's a great cast. And I don't know, there's something about Malik's movies, man. They're just they're just in a whole different lane. They're on another level, man. Um, so yeah, if you haven't seen any of Terrence Malik's movies, definitely check them out because they're they're another level. Um, yeah, so I, I actually haven't, um, but I will be watching some stuff soon based off your recommendations for him. Yeah, you need to. So I did a little PTA dive uh, this week as we talked about, but I also have been watching some Clint Eastwood stuff. Um, there's nothing you can really go super wrong with there. I mean, like Dirty Harry's great. Uh, In the Line of Fire was great. Outlaw Josie Wales, Unforgiven, stuff like that. But we covered that. Um, Ballad of Lefty Brown is one that I watched after we recorded last week. And that is a Bill Pullman Western and oh man that's a fun ride i'm real i want to shout out that movie it is awesome um i've not seen it i'll check it out and then of course uh there will be blood and hard eight are fantastic movies that i think everyone should watch yeah what you think of hard eight um i thought it was really good uh it it seems like nobody knows where that movie takes place place because like everything i read about it was saying it's vegas where or when where it's reno it's not vegas it starts off in vegas and then they're in reno by the by the by like after the time after the time jump they're in reno because like samuel jackson's like oh i've been down in vegas i've worked down there before they're up north in reno oh well yeah they're at a casino basically the whole time that's all that matters it's in nevada somewhere but um it's a great movie and i like vegas or vegas i like nevada gambling movies um and i like john c Riley, and i like paul thomas anderson yeah no he got some great performances out of a little gwyneth paltrow action yeah all right um christ we have oh man we've gone over an hour on the beginning <laughs> all right enjoy we are gonna wrap up now we have gotten into some rants we will be right back and we're gonna talk about room It's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. It is a book club, but, you know, for albums. And uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter, at Album Book Club 1. And they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, It can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop. It's all over the place. Uh, It's a great way to discover new music. I've been following them and working with them for quite some time. They also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com. They just put out an issue with Osar and Paris Price. Uh, they have great merch over there. It's all great looking stuff. Um, definitely check them out. Give the Twitter a follow. Give the page um, a look. It's great stuff. You're not going to be disappointed. Good way to discover music. Let's get back to the movie. And welcome back, and it is time to talk about the winning movie of the week, Room, which actually makes us the losers of the week because we had to watch Room. Not to be confused with The Room. No. Tommy Wiseau. Totally different movies. Totally yes. different movies. That Okay. So I, we, we didn't actually lose by having to watch Room. It is a 
fantastic movie first of all it's beautiful but it is soul crushingly sad it is it hard it, it hurts it's i can't what like i don't know how to describe what it does to me like it makes it makes me I, soup i mean you go you go i can't <laughs> no i just think it's super authentic and it feels so real and it also just deals with so many emotions like there's also with all the sad and like tough uh, moments there's also a lot of um happy moments throughout and it's, it's just very real i feel like and that's why it hits a lot of people and it does a great job of investing you into the characters so you feel a lot for them all right. Uh, do you want to give us a quick uh, run through of the director and the cast and stuff? Yeah, let's story? do it. Um, so Room, not to be confused with The Room again, um, is by director Lenny Abramson, um, which he's also made the movie Frank, which is like a weird indie movie with Michael Fassbender um, and the TV show Normal People, which I have not seen, but I heard great things about um room is about uh jack is a young boy of five years old who has lived all his life in one room he believes everything within it are the only real things in the world but what will happen when his ma suddenly tells him that there are other things outside of room um it is written by emma donahue who actually wrote the book too um so i think the story goes she wrote the book and before the book was even published, she already started to write the screenplay because she thought it would do so well as a movie. Um, and so she published the book. Obviously, Hollywood loved it and tons of offers came her way. And this director, I think, wrote her like a, a 10 page letter just about like how much he loved the book and what he thought he would do for the movie. And I guess she loved it so much. So they started to work together and they uh, they made the movie and it stars uh the amazing Brie Larson, um, the incredible Jacob Tremblay, who is eight years old when he's plays this movie, which is unreal. Um, Sean Bridges, uh, Joan Allen. Um, and yeah, that's like, that's the main cast for the most part. William H. Macy. Shout out William H. Macy. Oh yeah. William H. Macy had a little I'm small a, role. I'm a big William H. Macy guy. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, that's about it. So the reception of this movie. Uh, oh, and I, sorry, oh, Tom, Tom McCamus, who plays uh, Leo, which is the stepfather. Mm-hmm. He's great, too. Yeah. Um, so 93% on the tomato meter and 93% on the audience score. Uh, just to give you a gauge on it. Uh, this is a review in The Atlantic um, written by Sophie Gilbert. And uh, this is just going to highlight a little expert excerpt that I liked a lot. Um, it's hard to imagine that such a bleak scenario could be made so beautiful, but Abram- Abramson finds poetry in these small details of room captured through gray filters to emphasize the lack of light. More though, the film captivates because of its central duo, who are each other's whole world. As much as the audience empathizes with Jack and feels his agony at losing what he interprets as a safe and familiar environment, so too they feel Ma's pain and having disrupts it. Having to disrupt it, I am cannot speak. Room is the kind of drama that feels tailor-made for theater with its limited locales and emotional intensity, but it's after Jack finally leaves the space for the first time that the potency Spoiler. of the film yeah, is most felt. 
and its ability to express his wonder and confusion and discombobulation at seeing things he'd only experienced through a screen. It's to Room's credit that it makes that disorientation so visceral to viewers, communicating the angst and elation of breaking free. Yeah, Which I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a great review because as much as it was sad, I definitely don't think it was as dark as it could have been because it was told yeah. through Jack's POV the whole time. So you didn't really, it didn't show, it didn't go as dark as it could have gone if it was through a different perspective. And that's what I was worrying about whole time too i was like man i don't want to see some really upsetting stuff here because the subject matter is dark enough um as is so uh just some oh this is not based off a true story too completely fictional yes which is another thing i was very happy to hear um but you know this very real emotions stuff like this does happen a lot which is why i wanted to talk about this type of story because this is something that i feel like is you know somewhat commonplace um and there's different ways to attack it uh one common thing uh if you'll hear you've heard i've heard quentin tarantino talk about it some um and we saw it with uh what was that movie uh that came out last year with bo burnham in it. it was up for the oscar Oh, eighth grade. Oh, no, promising young woman. Promising young woman. So we, it's. I think promising young woman is another similar way to kind of a, a similar story in that it is. It does involve like a sexual assault or a, a rape of that, uh, you know, sort. Uh, but that's more of a rape revenge movie, which is totally a genre that exists in Hollywood. There's been tons of movies like that. This isn't that. It is a story about you know, obviously a young girl who was kidnapped when she was 17 and she was held captive for seven years and has a five-year-old son. So like, it's a brutal story. It's a brutal story about sexual assault and, you know, how, I th- I mean, I, obviously it's like how women are treated in our society and stuff like that and m- how men at times can think they control women. That's one of the more- Yeah, it deals with, it deals with a lot of themes, I think. But also what I think this movie did that a lot of movies of this type of genre don't do is like a lot of them end with the, the escape of the, right. of the kidnapping or whatever. And that's that's really it. That's like the climax. But this movie, spoilers, um, the climax is like in the dead center of the movie, um, which is which is very uh, unusual. And it kind of deals with the aftermath and like the PTSD of the kidnapping itself. No one's this far in the podcast without them having watched <laughs> this movie. Um, but yeah, and that's another thing I really like about it. Um, you know, on the outline, I had stories like this in their place in movies. We do this. I feel like this is there's probably once a year, I would say a movie like this about mm-hmm. a woman, whether it be in an abusive relationship or you know, dealing with a sexual assault of some kind or being kidnapped, like even like 10 Cloverfield Lane, which is a freaking sci-fi movie. It's a kind of similar story. Very similar, yeah. Not as dark in this way, but like the whole time you're thinking it might turn this way and stuff like that. So like these movies are made a lot. And that's what I really appreciated about this movie was that it took it past the escape. Mm-hmm. And I think that was one of the big draws of it too, which is why they marketed it that way. I don't know if that was necessarily the smartest thing, but I think it was an interest point. I think they made it look interesting when they pitched it that way. Yeah, I wish they did it, but also 
um i just think the the escape itself was so intense and that you're so uh, invested in the characters that you really didn't know where it was gonna go no no i mean i was texting you during it i mean when the escape was happening and like i was like shaking yeah. I, ha- I haven't been this physically affected by a movie in a long long time like there was times i felt like nauseous and had a pit in my stomach um yeah I it, I really think that the escape scene is one of the most like intense scenes and gripping scenes like I've ever experienced in a movie. Oh my god! It's you're like this I'm is my thinking... this is my second time watching it and I was mm-hmm. still hooked to the screen. I like I couldn't look away. I was sitting there like saying to myself like roll like roll 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 stay flat stay flat stay flat all right now jump now oh shit oh god he stood up oh. Yeah, when he was peeking his head I, he was peeking his head for too long I'm like duck man duck he's gonna see you god it was it's uh it's so brutal and which i think speaks to how good it is um this is by far i I think this is the first sad movie we have watched ex machina is sad in one way uncut gems is sad in one way this is just front to pack sad but also yeah but it's also happy though too i wouldn't say happy i would say hopeful sure i would definitely use the words beautiful i would say which I don't know how you can say happy and not also include beautiful, but like, I think that makes sense if you've seen the movie. Yeah, no, I'm that hoping. makes more sense. Yeah. But what I wrote about it in my letterbox review, um, which is B Allen 22, if you want to follow me on letterbox is uh, I think I, I said something along the lines of it's like soul crushingly sad and soul crushingly beautiful. And it is a true testament to the human spirit. And you know how far we can go like and push ourselves to survive because like i mean brie larson's character seven years in that garden shed and you can feel that seven years too yeah what what i loved about this movie also is that it didn't show the beginning like you're you're in it Mm -hmm. like seven years in basically and you can kind of feel that because she's like she's almost calm in a way like she's very calm and like used to the whole situation. Like she's not freaking out. She's not like jittery or anything like that. It's like she's super calm. Even the kids calm, even though he doesn't really know what's going on. But it's still, it's just, there was like a warm, almost like calm presence, which was very interesting. She's totally used to it, um, which is super sad. Also, I mean, hell. Oh yeah. It seems like I think you come into the movie thinking she's almost resigned to that this is her place now yeah and then later you find out that she's just been waiting for jack to get old enough to help her escape and she's also tried to escape a few times um the toilet seat story or the toilet uh lid story and then Mm -hmm. also um the knife that she's cut the apples with is dulled and the tip is cut off um so clearly she's tried things before but like, like, you know, they said, like, she can't actually kill him. She has, because there's a, she'd be locked in there forever to start to death. Um, so I think when she had a son, she was like, all right, I've just got to like last long enough until he's old enough to make this, you know, escape with me and help me. Um, and then when old Nick comes back and you find out that he's been laid off. She's like, Oh man, if he has to move houses, we're dead. Like he's not going to be able to take us with him. Like that's what I really love that. 
I really love that little tidbit. Like this, this movie really deals with like so many themes, like, and one of them is being like the struggle of like working class um, people in general, just because he's showing like he lost his job. He got laid off. Things aren't going well. Why you don't, you don't think so? Oh yeah, man. The kidnapping, the kidnapper. (laughs) locked a guy a girl and his son in the back no i'm not saying i'm saying it's a very the struggle very of the middle film. class <laughs> i still no. I, why else would they put that in though you know i know i'm not, i'm kidding i guess <laughs> like it also deals with a shit ton of other stuff obviously like sexism right. suicide drugs when when this came out stuff. in 2016 we were just coming out of a recession like the, yeah that's I, that's totally the thing i picked up on but it was just funny to hear you say it <laughs> yes the movie used old nick as a way to show the struggles of the middle class <laughs> yeah um but man another thing about the um escape scene and the escape stuff that all went on um for one very bold plan how do you know that he's not just going to bury that in the backyard? She'd have no idea. That's what I thought he was going to do. Well, you see him hesitate for a second. I know. He brings him out. Well, the thing is, I don't think that was the original plan. I think the original plan was the sick thing and bring him right. to the hospital. And then you see the, the night. Yeah, you never know. But you see the night um, that that failed. You see her like start to like cry and like almost break it down because she realized what she has to do. It's like so fucked up what she has to do, but she thinks it's her only way out. And that ends up working. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he totally hesitates and thinks about it. But also, like, I feel like the uh, like the odds of him not looking at the body and checking for real would not would be absurdly low. Like, uh, yeah, but like, also the the old Nick has like at least some sort of affection towards Ma. So like he she he does care about her a little bit and does. Uh, I mean, not really, but in, like a little a, respect I, towards in, her. In his own twisted way, in that right. she's his property, and like his, like I think he thinks of her as like a like pseudo wife, probably. Right. Um, but so it, it definitely is a little believable. But also, I feel like that was also part of why the escape was so intense because right. you really didn't know what was going to happen. Like she's like, give me your word. Like, how are you gonna take this guy's word? He kidnapped you when you were seventeen. Yeah, but he also thought he just killed the kid, basically. So that's true. Um, man, it the escape scene as intense as it gets in a movie. You just like you want to help him out so bad. Also, I, the scene, right? I mean, go ahead. Before I no, 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 I think you were about to say what I was gonna say. You hit it. The police. I was gonna say the the oh, police scene wait, was so right, gripping. Well, right before right before then sorry the guy with the dog like mm. he's clearly kidnapping this child or at least like has kidnapped this child like you you gotta let go of that dog and make a bigger play to get after this guy wait are you saying the guy with the dog has kidnapped someone before no 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 no, no. the guy with the dog like sees old nick grab jack or jacob yeah. tremblay and like the kid's saying help and is trying to hand him a note and the guy's like hey what are you what are you doing with that kid he's just like what are you doing with the kid i'm gonna call the police but like okay like yeah but also like you would in that situation you would think it's like a father uh son situation where it's a little aggressive you don't want to get your hands in it you know but he says i'm gonna call the police like and the kid's trying to hand it like i feel like i would be like all right this is weird like 
you're not going anywhere until I get a cop over here and we're going to find out what, what's happening. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to be that aggressive though. I don't know. Maybe Especially that's... in what seems like a, a friendly neighborhood, you know, maybe I've seen too many movies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like... I was going to say the, the police scene, I just feel like the police scene was as gripping as the escape. Cause yeah. he's like, so in shock about like everything and can't really like process that he's like in the outside world. And, that, and also I thought the woman, the police woman did an amazing job. She's like great. it was so satisfying to like watch her piece the puzzle together and everything. And just like him slowly, like getting the words out and helping her like solve it. And just, uh. and then obviously when Ma comes out at the end and that whole scene with like them hugging and crying was devastating. If he had just been able to say, join Newsom, that movie, that scene is five minutes shorter. Also, the white cop was kind of a dick to Jacob. Oh, yeah, he was. 100%. To Jack. It, I was like, what are you? This kid just got kidnapped. He's like, ah, oh, it's just taking the child services. And then they, yeah, I mean, that's another theme that they kind of dealt with. It's like they, the good cop versus bad cop thing. You know? And then they piece together that this kid's been kidnapped and he's still like, being mean to the kid like what are you doing you have to act quickly on this (laughs) like yeah i mean i guess it's tough because we don't really know if this is like a high kidnapping area or anything like that like what if this was the only kidnapping and it was seven years ago you know i think this movie takes place in seattle am i wrong seems like i don't know if they mention it it seems like the pacific northwest but it looked like the that's just me inferring from it raining all the time and then being on the outs like a suburb of a city. Um, but I imagine this like joy news. I know they of, I'm sorry, I know they filmed in uh Canada. Oh Toronto, I think. Maybe it does take place in Toronto, then that makes sense. That's why everyone's but, so nice. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if he just says Joy Newsome, they're like on it immediately. They're like, oh shit. Um, but I mean that's not his fault. Um I was the whole time I was thinking, oh no, they're going back to the shed and Brie Larson's dead. That's what I thought. I thought he was immediately going to go back and kill her. But I think he actually did make the smarter move by just like ditching and running off. Because if he did go back and kill her, sympathizing with the kidnapper. I'm just trying to like think in in his (laughs) mind, you know, like if if I if I no 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 we're not playing this game that's a different game (laughs) no I feel like he if he went back and killed her though he would have even gotten in more trouble if he did get caught so he's probably just like fuck it I'm out of here you know yes he would have gotten in more trouble if he had (laughs) killed her I think he was thinking I've got to get out of town as quick as possible yeah yeah did he not have the note on did the guy did he take the old Nick take the note before he got in the truck maybe yeah because he did grab it quickly i think i think maybe i I think if he doesn't i think if he doesn't take the note too that also helps them get to her quicker yeah i mean obviously no yeah he obviously did take the note because he would have just gave it to the police woman because i also think he's thinking like this kid doesn't know anything he's been in a room so true um uh about the room the room is its own character right the, especially the way they talk about it and the way jacob tremblay talks about it the way jack talks about it is he calls it not the room he calls it room like it's mm-hmm. a per I, it's a like it's a living thing like i want at the end i want to say goodbye to room can we go I mean, back all, to room yeah I and mean, that's all he knows 
Imagine and, like a kid who's lived in isolation in one room for five years of his life. Like that's insane to think about. So the first, I don't think, I was trying to make a note of this when um, I was watching, I think it's around 49 minutes when they leave the room, when Jacob gets taken out and you see out, you have been in this room the entire time until then. You do not leave it. Mm -hmm. and they didn't even it wasn't a set they didn't expand it they shot it in that room and like direct we got directors lying down in bathtubs moving camera equipment all over the place just jerry-rigging everything so you can feel how cramped it is and i mean i'm sitting there feeling claustrophobic watching oh yeah the whole time you feel so confined into that room and i think that's why this it it benefits because in the second half you kind of feel so uneasy and like almost like you have PTSD, like the characters, you really feel like the openness. It gets to the point where you start off super claustrophobic in it. Um, I know I did at least. And then when they're talking about escaping, I started feeling like, well, wait, this is the more safe place. Like I, it's literally how I was thinking like this, this room is safer. Like, He's five years old. I don't know if he can do this. This is the smarter play is to stay here. Mm -hmm. And which is probably, I mean, which has got to be what they're thinking. And um, I mean, or at least Jack, I know Brie Larson might not be because she knows laid off might mean downsizing home might mean them dying, but that's what you're, I think that's what you're supposed to think is like, this is, this is a terrible situation, but if you, if this doesn't work, you're both dead. Yeah. And then when you get out it feels like crushing and huge it the you you're mostly in the carpet but then when you like when you get to the hospital and you look out over everything over jack's shoulder and then through his perspective um yeah the camera work is really well done in that scene it was like blurry overexposed the sound design too i mean yeah his like his ears are ringing when he hits the ground because he hits his head and that's why he's stumbling because, I mean, he's never jumped out of a truck before. He doesn't know how to brace his landing. That's Yeah, there was, in the second half, there were so many good, like, little, like, idioms throughout where, like, the stair scene where he didn't know how to walk walk down or upstairs because he's never done that before. Like, all these mm -hmm. things that a normal kid would have experienced, but he just lived in this room. Um, um, it was crazy. Like, also, also, I think it happened to Brie Larson a little bit, too, because... She had to literally spend five years of her Seven. life. Well, no, it's like five years of her life oh. with um, Jack, her son, mm -hmm. where they, they've had no separation for five years, which is insane. And I remember there was like one scene when they were home and um, she and like her parents, I think, were arguing and having like a big adult conversation. And Jack was kind of just like sitting there and like, she's just so used to having Jack always by her side that she'll just like have these like adult conversations and like all these things, like just out in the open with Jack there, you know? I think the one you're talking about was another one that I wanted to get to, which was William H. Macy being like, I can't look at him. Yeah. Yeah. Also right in front of him, which, which oh, what a devastating scene because as little as William H. Macy was in it, you feel for him in that scene, like a little bit. Like imagine having to like look at look in your grandson's eyes and that was the product of your daughter being raped for seven years. Like that that's a lot to handle, you know. 
Also, um, by thinking, you're thinking her daughter's dead too by this point. Yeah. It's been seven years. And she's back and she has the son of the guy who kidnapped her. And also he's divorced. And I bet the divorce, it doesn't say, but you kind of infer that it was because of the whole kidnapping and everything. 100% it was. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's a lot to handle. But yeah, you can really feel for him in that scene. And props to him. I understood it, but also I was like, dude, don't, this is the, I was like, you got your daughter back and you're going to like push yourself away from her because. Of oh this. yeah, no totally bad move but. the way you have to look at it is like one good thing came like this pure innocent thing like as pure and innocent as it gets he's essentially still like an infant he doesn't know anything he doesn't right. even know he didn't know that he was in a bad situation he thought like he thought nick was a good person like essentially a god to them or to him like yeah also another thing with the the stepdad i i remember the first time you see the or they, they mentioned the stepdad or whatever you kind of like think like oh this is going to be the stepdad that's going to be cliche and be like this is not my problem like i'm gonna yep. stay out of this but he turns out to be like one of the most lovable guys shout out good healthy family dynamics and movies yes i love it um that this made me puppy, very happy when the when you oh. brought the dog and you see Jack's face just light up, oh my god! Oh, it was so good and it was so sweet. And, I had a, uh, some little happy tears during that scene. Getting them right now. It it was <laughs> awesome. Um, I mean, all I wanted was for that kid to have a dog. His face, Jacob Tremblay, man, he is so fucking good in this role. Oh my He's god! He's fantastic. Why was he not nominated for an Oscar that year? I know, devastating. I thought he was, and then I, I looked it up after I saw the movie, and I was like, oh, my God. What, I what, mean, what is the Oscars doing, man? There's there's really, I mean, there's not a precedent for a kid that young winning it, but, like, if there was. Yeah, they, they don't really pay attention to child actors that much. And, I mean, as they should. Child actors, 90% of the time, are not good. I stand by that percentage. But Jacob Tremblay, amazing. Um, yeah, he's a rare breed. He was awesome. He was, it's, I mean, him being able to yell like that at Brie Larson, which it was apparently very hard for them to get him to do. Cause yeah, like, I saw that. He's apparently just a super nice, like respectful kid, like awesome. But him yelling like that and just embodying this, like, how do you, he's nine years old playing a five-year-old. And I think you can kind of tell he's nine. Like there's a big difference between five and nine, but how do you play that aloofness? Yeah, and also, I how do you, like, process those heavy, heavy themes? It's insane. It was insane to me. Like, him, like, to, like, they had to have explained to him, like, all right, all this kid knows is this room. But for him to actually, like, embody that so well is mind-boggling to me because I feel like there's a lot of adult actors who couldn't do that. Yeah, well, I think that's also benefit to the screenplay in the book because the book is also told in the pov of jack so it kind of already is told in the pov of a kid so they probably just kind of had to retell to him in that perspective you know right um so he, i think that helped him kind of like better understand the part and also i'm sure, sure he bonded a lot with brie larson and like pre-production and stuff which oh helped. i hope they are still best friends I will be sad. I think they are. I remember I saw, um, I did a bunch of like interview hunting after I saw this movie. And there was like a five years later, like reunion interview they did. 
and they uh, they still seem like best buds. Okay, good. That makes me happy. Yeah. I love I love Brie Larson. Oh, she's I love amazing. Jacob Trimble. She's the best. Um, Captain Marvel's a good movie. And she won the Oscar. She did win the Oscar. Um, sit on that for a minute because um, I want to talk a little bit about Brie Larson and uh, at the end there, Ma kind of sucks. I'll say it. At the I end? Get at the, not at the very end, but like the back half. I get, I get it. She's been through a lot. A lot of trauma. A lot of PTSD. But she kind of turns back into the 17-year-old like, mom, stop, like you know, yeah, well, she also hasn't been in society for seven years. That's true. She probably still is in the mentality of a 17 year old, but like yeah, her brain hasn't really developed like at all. I know. But like at certain points, it felt selfish, which I guess she has the right to be selfish. But it started like, first of all, her not putting Jack in some sort of therapy, which is clearly what that doctor was telling her about in the first scene made sense at first she doesn't want to be separated from this kid he's all she knows i mean yeah separation anxiety but then she starts to get annoyed by him being around all the time she yells at him for watching a movie or a show on a phone while she's trying to take a nap but like that's all he knows is to be right next to her i wondered i was always wondering if that scene was like since it was on kind of like a shitty phone i wonder if like before she was kidnapped there were smartphones weren't a thing it's just yeah. kind of playing with the old head like get off your phone you know yeah phones weren't around when i was a kid but and she and she's like takes him downstairs she's like not like i'm trying to take a nap like play with these toys down here like clearly no, but she, i think i she do also get wanted him to connect she says i wanted him to connect with something real something physical because all he's ever watched is tv but mm-hmm. also another thing is that is something you send this kid to therapy for yeah, I totally get what you're saying, but also she was totally not in the right mindset either no. coming out of this. And she needs to go to therapy too. That's I mean Yeah, then, but she can't and, make that decision because of how like fucked up in the head she is, you know. And and something like she I, has separation anxiety too. She doesn't want to leave Jack's side at all. Right, but also she That's all she knows. Point, I think she also gets to a point where she's trying to push him away a little bit too cuz she's like she I think she realizes that he's not going to be like right if they're around each other all the time which is why she's like get out of the room go downstairs play with the toys so you can connect with something. But she well, also, also I think she just needed alone time to like process everything that happened. Probably. Too. She did. Um and the fucking devastating TV interview that she had where the reporter right. just destroyed her. I was going to get right into that. What a terrible question to ask. That is the I mean, worst. yes, terrible, but also kind of great interviewing. In you do not of... ask, you do not ask, why didn't you kill yourself? She doesn't say, did you ever think about it? She says, why didn't you? Yeah, that's true. That's how I would get, did you think about it? I would understand that. She says, why didn't you? That is horrible interview. I have done interviews before. We're about to have to do an interview with ooh, teaser for the future <laughs> teaser um, celebrity guest teaser. Um, <laughs> we don't know. We're not announcing it yet. We're not announcing it yet, but um, we're not asking. You don't ask a question like that, or at least you word it differently. She's been yeah. like that for seven years. <laughs> I do get what you're that? saying, but also here's, here's another thing, which I think the movie did a really good job with is 
obviously like very relevant today with um what's her face gabby petito and that whole case going on right now i was gonna come around to Pe- that, yeah yeah people are just like i mean i also think it's like the the top five podcasts in the the world right now are all true crime podcasts people love true crime for some reason it's just it's a huge thing people love 100%. to like get into the case and just like get as much info as possible and this you're kind of seeing the other side of that where you're kind of seeing the the fan like the perspective of the whatever the case may be um and you're kind of seeing how like devastating and like how hard it is on them to have to like deal with all these like pressure and questions in the media and stuff it's like it's a lot you start to sympathize with them the true crime culture is another thing that i don't really vibe with i don't i don't, I don't get it either into those podcasts i think it's neither do i uh, we're a hundred percent gonna get a gabby petito true crime podcast i'm sure people are already writing <laughs> oh it. it's it's already happened it i'm sure people are doing them at, yeah i'm sure i'm bad it's probably live ones yeah um I, it feels vulturey and it feels gross to me. I would get I think, it. Yeah, that, that's why I think the interviewer was so hard. I think that's what the director is kind of going for, showing yes. like that people just want this information so bad that they're doing anything they can to like get info out of her. I get that it was a movie and it was intended to further the plot, but it was just also a totally like, that's a, t- it's either this like, why would this person have a job if that's the kind of question they're asking? That's a terrible question. Um, I mean, she basically makes her uh, do attempt suicide, suicide attempts, yeah. which also another selfish thing. Another, I know, I know, it is, know. it is. I do see her saying it is. But we just did Dear Evan Hansen and talked about this for a while. Um, I I know tons of trauma. This totally messed up, messed her up more. But also this when you start feeling that way and no matter how hard it might be, you you have to like well, talk about yourself yeah. and also you have to think about your son at this point. And I think she does realize that after the fact, especially when she has that line when she comes home and her and Jack are sitting in the bed and she goes, I'm like, I'm a terrible ma, like I'm not a good ma. And then Jack goes, uh, you're not a good ma, but you're ma. And that's, that's like such a, a great line. Um, I think she does understand that she she has been terrible. She is kind of like reflecting on everything and realizing like what's happening. And she's growing. And I, I think the end kind of showed that when they went back to the room, they kind of gave it like the final goodbye. The camera movement was kind of just like going wider and wider and wider, showing like the big open world. Um, and I think it ended on like a, a hopeful, happy note. It did. It did. Um, and then the saying goodbye to room and everything. And that was them, you know, putting it, all, putting it all behind them. And it, yeah, it was a fantastic movie. It's, that's all I can, I mean, it's fantastic. Um, and it's supposed to be this frustrating too, because part of it is supposed to be like, you can't understand what they're feeling. And so part of it is supposed to be like, why don't you just make this common sense decision? But like, obviously they aren't equipped to. Yeah. You know? Um, Ooh. All right. You want to have the Oscars year, Oscar year talk? Um, Yeah. Let's talk about it. I'm a little thrown for a loop from the actual plot. I'm a little tired. We can circle back (laughs) around in a minute. So as we discussed, Brie Larson, best performance by an actress in a leading role. 
Um, uh, yeah, you know what? Not a not a great year for that. Honestly, we had Saoirse Char- Ronan. Yeah, Jennifer Saoirse Lawrence. Ronan. I thought was good. Yeah, Saoirse Ronan in Brooklyn, which I have not seen. Have you seen that? No, I did not. It's an Irish immigrant lands in the 1950s Brooklyn where she falls in romance. I heard good things. Really? I didn't hear anything. Um, <laughs> Kate Blanchett for Carol. Uh, I haven't seen Carol. That's another time period movie, 1950s New York. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence for Joy. I thought uh, she was great in that. But not that, as good as Brie Larson. Uh, I have not seen that either. And then Charlotte Rampling in 45 Years, which I also mentioned, have not seen that either. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, she deserved to win. She was incredible. In the room. 100%. Best performance of the year, there, even if there were better movies. I think that's, that's one of her best performances of all time for her. Yeah. In her career. Oh my God. But yeah. That and uh, Short Term 12, I think, are her best. Um, and then actor in a leading role went to DiCaprio in The Revenant that year. Uh, I don't think that's I mean, yeah, that was a stacked thing. year for actors. I, don't I think, think if, if Jacob was nominated, would he be in leading or supporting? I think leading, you, right? You can have actor and actress in leading roles. So he would be leading? He would be the lead uh, actor in that movie. So yeah, no way he would uh, win to Leo over Leo. Are we sure? I well, mean, I, if, I, in, I think in, he should, but in Oscar rules, no, I don't think so. In a perfect world leo would have already had that oscar right yeah if leo had already won an oscar different situation but because everyone kind of knew that he even got nominated because he hasn't even gotten an oscar yet and everyone's kind of like rooting for him that you kind of like knew it was going to happen revenant shouldn't have he shouldn't have won an oscar for it it's not as even his best role all right um but i i I think he he did do a great job in that role obviously not as best, but I do think he, he should have gotten an Oscar for that. Also, he did. also not a great movie. Not a great movie. <gasps> wow. Hot take. I fucking love it. that movie. Stand by. Incredible it. cinematography. Incredible. Um, and then Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Eddie Redmayne, Danish Girl, Michael Fassbender, Steve Jobs, and Matt Damon, The Martian. All right. Yeah, um, so... Best Picture of the Year. Room was nominated. Brooklyn, the Search for Ronan movie, nominated. Martian, nominated. Revenant, nominated. Big Short, nominated. Bridge of Spies, nominated. Saw that one in theaters. Eh. Don't, don't know why that one was nominated. Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, nominated. And Spotlight, winner. Now, I think the three movies that should have won it should have either been Spotlight, Mad Max or Room? Two I of think, those are terribly sad. I think Room should have dominated this. You think Room should have won it for sure? Easily. I mean, Spotlight was great. I love Spotlight. I think it was a great movie, but I think Room was overall better. I mean, um, same with Mad Max was obviously incredible too and an amazing achievement, but I, I do think Room could have could have won. Spotlight is... I mean, you want to talk about like soul crushing? Oh my god! Yeah, the ending it hurts. So remember in the ending of that movie, how it like lists like the credits of like all the places where stuff like this has happened? Yes, my city was on there, and I was like, oh no! my god, that just hit me even harder. 
I mean, I'm Jewish, so I'm, I don't, I didn't like deal with that, but still just seeing my city on there was just like, oh my God. So Uncut Gems is your big movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh man, Uncut Gems is your big tragedy movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know Spotlight was intense, done. but very um, great acting throughout. Oh, I'm still laughing about the I'm Jewish, so it didn't <laughs> I mean, I'm not Catholic, so it didn't hit me super hard, but yeah. Um, I mean, imagine like Catholic people who like to go through this and have to watch this. Like, we can, we can, we can, we're probably going to hit spotlight at some point because this is a really popular movie, but I do kind of want to have the, we need, I, I might need to see if I can get like a Catholic friend on there to watch, like as a guest <laughs> that week. Cause I want to see, I don't know how Catholic people respond to this movie. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember seeing it with my Catholic friend. Oh, and- no. <laughs> Uh, Did they know what it was about? Yeah, he knew it was about. Okay. I I think most Catholic people know that it happened. Um, Well, no. He was kind of of indifferent towards it, I guess. Well, what I meant was, like, obviously, every Catholic knows what happened, like, and that it's still a big scandal. But I meant, like, did he just think he was going to see a newspaper movie? Or did he know he was going to see the busting of, like... (laughs) No, I think he knew. I think he knew about it, but... He just yeah. came out and was like, eh, it was a movie. No, I think he liked the movie, but didn't like hit him hard, you know. Oh, that's it, shocking. It didn't like affect him. Um, yeah. Or maybe it did and he just didn't tell me. <laughs> right, we totally got, got it off topic there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Let's move on. I think room. Yeah, I wouldn't I mean, I love Spotlight, I love Mad Max, and I love Room. Um I yeah, I I think Room overall just had like the best acting, best directing, the cinematography, just like overall was just like the I best. would say that too. I, I think all the, the technical stuff, I mean the story is amazing. It didn't win. It, the only Oscar this movie won was for Brie Larson. Yeah, it was nominated for adapted screenplay, right? Uh it wasn't nominated for adapted screenplay, but the big short yeah. won. And I don't get that. The Big Short is good. That's a, actually, I mean, it's great. I like it a lot. It's not better than Room. It's not. Script-wise, it does compete a little bit. It had a great script, I think. Big Short? Yeah. Yeah, it did. But, and I mean, but I think with everything around this this movie, like, and like knowing that, the author wrote the screenplay right after she finished the book, like, and ev- just everything about it, like, should have given it Oscars. Like, it feels like an Oscar movie. Um, achievement in directing went to the guy who directed that Revenant. I'm not going to even attempt that name. Um, Lenny Abramson, 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 God, was the director of the Revenant in your rats? In your rats? In your it's there's an I in there. In your Inyaritu. Alejandro Inyaritu, I think, or Inyaritu. Inyaritu. Inyaritu, yeah. Let's spend five minutes on this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, yeah, Abramson, I think, should have won the directing because, I mean, it's not like The Revenant was an easy movie to shoot, but there was a lot more open space that he had to work with, you know? And it's not like saying that's easy, but I think that cr- the stuff that he did in the room, you're a director, which is what's, what's harder, a five by five room or a field? 
I don't know. I think The Revenant is, I mean, I'm obviously a huge fan of this movie. So I think it was a huge achievement to film that movie. Really? Especially in the places they, they were at, the freezing cold conditions they were in. Um, I don't know. I think that's a, it's a huge achievement of a movie. Room is definitely a huge achievement, but in like a, on a, a smaller scale, I guess, or something like that. It's like, I don't know. I, I think the, I think the Revenant was a good choice, but I wouldn't be mad with the room or room either. I believe room was, wasn't nominated in editing. Yeah. It did have good pacing. Um, it was weird. I wish it was production design, it should have gotten production design too. I mean, why wasn't it nominated for everything? No, no, it's the fucking Oscars. Visual effects, obviously not. That was this is the Ex Machina year, by the way. Yeah. I mean, production design. Did did anybody else not look at the room? I mean, geez. oh, the room was amazing. Yeah, yeah. all the little details. Throughout. Why are we? Why is it not making it in production design off that alone? What are we doing here? Yeah, like all the little like arts and crafts they made too. They're so yeah. creative. I hate the Oscars, but I love them. Can't wait for our Oscars pod. I've already planned out games for like the month of the Oscars that we're going to play. No, they're I'm entertaining like, to watch. I know. I'm going to go insane with that stuff, though. Oh, God. Except um, this past year. This past year is boring. Just because of COVID, though. We're Save that for our Oscars shows. Okay, okay. We might recap and we might even do a re a re uh, a reorganization of maybe we we choose the real winners game. Um mm, I like that. Um all right. I think that about does it for room. I, I think yeah I'm very, I'm very very uh powerful film. I'm wiped. It's that took a lot out of me. It's a lot, but it's a lot. I, I cried a lot happy yeah. and sad um, a lot of emotions but it's incredible it's an amazing achievement if you're somebody that's like i don't cry in movies you you will cry in this movie uh, and i don't cry in movies in this movie i cried man. you don't cry but, oh man movies I, i'm not a crier man i don't know really i mean i'm not a crier in real life but for some reason movies will make me cry i tear up sometimes but i yeah. don't know this movie just it gets me oh yeah it's 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 all it's like emotional torture it's fantastic everyone should watch it <laughs> another similar movie actually to this is also by a24 and also equally as devastating uh waves oh two different halves you know this movie has two different halves waves have two different halves both devastating both a24 <laughs> uh, both incredible movies I remember last I mean, yeah, Bo year. Yeah, Bo and I have talked a lot about this, but it's it's one of my favorite movies ever. Last last year, we were talking to A24, and Jacob was like, oh, have you seen Waves? And I was like, oh, no. And he was like, you should watch it. And then I was pushing really it on everyone. He didn't really tell me anything about it. He was just like, you should really watch Waves. It's a great movie. And I texted him an hour and a half later, two hours. What? What did you just make me do? <laughs> Why did you do that to me? I did that to so many of my friends. Uh, I remember all the texts I got was like, that was the most depressing movie I've ever watched. <laughs> Why did you make me do that? Yeah. Um, so fucking good. It's really good. Jacob's a Watch Waves if you have not seen it. <laughs> yeah, you're I'm an not ass. not joking. You're an ass. Um, <laughs> Jacob likes to be sad. Um, all right. Hey, I love dark movies. 
I'm going to completely change tones here because I can't anymore. Um, speaking of dark movies, I am really excited to get into what we have next month. We are doing, I think, uh, what we envisioned this podcast as. We've kind of been doing it with an A24 themed month, but the way we really started talking about it and the way we really got the idea for, for it was with the whole book club thing. And I think we wanted to do like, you know, sort of genres per month. Um, this week was a little strange because A24 doesn't have a ton of well-known movies out, so we couldn't swap out movies as much as we wanted to do. But the way we will be doing it in October, horror movie season, we are doing a different subgenre of horror every week, which means four new movies to vote from every single week. Spooky. And they're going to be, we are going to start off with Evil Spirits. And I believe the movies we are going with that for that week are Insidious. The Conjuring, two James Wan movies. We love James Wan. Hereditary, because Jacob hates me and I haven't seen that movie. And then The Exorcist, because we had to throw a classic in there. Following that will be Monster Movies, which there will not be a poll that week, but there will be announcement of our special guest, an actual celebrity. I don't know why he has agreed to go on here. He just likes the movie for us. He did choose the movie for us and he likes Clipper basketball. There's a hint. There's, There's a little hint. Mm-hmm. um cults uh and religion cult slash religion there's uh we haven't chosen the movies for that yet um feel free to send us suggestions um there's lots of good movies in that genre you know things like uh more recently they've come out i would say saint Maud is one i would say the witch is somewhat culty i would say midsummer of course um there's tons of great ones out there um i mean oh God, I feel like I've watched so many recently and I can't think of them. Anything, I mean, anything that deals with the devil's advocate is one. Um, Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and then last but not least, and very near and dear to my heart, slashers. I love a slasher. Yeah. Oh, they're so good. Fear Streets from this year. Fantastic. Halloween. Amazing. Freddy Krueger movies. Nightmare on Elm Street. Good. First one's good. The rest are really stupid. I love them. Let's watch them all. Ooh, just watch. Would you count? Would you count Mandy as a slasher? Ooh, have you seen Mandy? I have seen Mandy. I feel like that is kind of a slasher. You know what I would count as a slasher? A hundred percent. What? Malignant. Oh yeah, that's Definitely. a slasher. Yeah, <laughs> easily. Um, I had somebody tell me that it should be a monster movie, and I was thinking more slasher. Yeah, I would say more slasher too. I might throw that on the on the slashers poll, but I I don't know. I don't want to. Maybe I, we kind of already talked about it. I'm gonna trick that poll to get Halloween to win. Um, <laughs> all right, and as always, you can find those polls at ABC Movie Show on Twitter. Uh, our parent company uh, is at Album Book Club One. They post magazines and such uh, quarterly with you know freshman lineups of new musicians that come out and they do weekly picks by people in their chats uh, to uh, put everybody on to new music. Um, my Twitter is at BoAllen22. Mine is at J-R-O-D-I-E-R 416. You know, you can find us there, interact with us there, tell us what movies we should put on polls or watch there. Um, neither of us have a ton going on, so we will see it. <laughs> I'm trying to be a little more active on my Twitter, so I'm commenting a little too. more things. 
Right. Um, we're going to trick that algorithm to put us at the top of stuff. <laughs> um, and also, speaking of tricking the algorithm, rate and review this podcast on iTunes. It really does help people to get to see it more. And it helps really push it up the top of, uh, you know, rankings of new podcasts and stuff. Obviously, we're not going to be topping any charts, but. Um, hey, don't say that. <laughs> Maybe that's hey, you never know with our big celebrity. Who knows? I'm, I'm actually, I, I, I'm kind of planning for October to be a big month. I feel like we're going to get a lot of interaction with horror movies and stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, the our, theme of October. Our first poll is all banger movies. Yeah. I mean, there's three, the three, you know, more contemporary movies are wildly popular. And The Exorcist is a classic. This is yeah, like hopefully we'll get some uh, good debate. I, I think the first one, I think the first poll of the month is going to be like, it's going to have a lot of response. I think. Um, oh, yeah, go vote. Please go vote. Um, that's about all I have. You got anything left, Jacob? No. I'm excited for next month. Spooky season. I cannot wait. Um, not a lot of horror movies coming out, but I love watching horror movies in October. All right. We'll, we'll also uh, dabble on the new movies, too. In the yes. We, we, we 100% will be talking about new movies. There's yeah. going to be a lot to talk about, and we're going to be very excited to talk about it. Um, yep. On that note, I'm going to go get ready to see Venom 2. <laughs> yeah. Talk about nothing but that for the next month. Um, let there be carnage. Let there be carnage. Give me some Woody Harrelson, baby. <laughs> Jacob, great talking to you as always. Yeah, pleasure. I will see you next time, bud. Till next time.